Yes, Lord, we rejoice in the fact that by the blood of Jesus, we have been made new. We are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, Lord, and we give you the glory for that. It's nothing that we've done, it's nothing that we've earned, but only by your grace that is given so free. Help us to cling to that today, God. Lord, we love you. We want to focus on you and you alone this morning. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a good week. We live in the bayou now, don't we? We live in the bayou. Louisiana has come a little west. Okay. Graduates, where are you? The graduates, just raise your hand. You don't got to stand. There's one there, one there, one there, one there. Any more grad? One right back there. Good, good. I want to know where you are because I'm going to talk to you today. Are you ready? All right. This is a good message, not just for the graduates, but a good message for all of us. But I want to just kind of get them glued in. Don't think about where you eat lunch. Don't think about you know what you're going to do or how you're going to do this or that and the other. Just really let all that go and and let this soak in today. Now, before we begin. Let me remind you from last week, something I think we all need to keep in mind and we all need to apply to our lives, no unnecessary guilt. It's amazing to me how much guilt we allow to build up that's unnecessary. It's not, it's not accurate. It's not good for us. No self-imposed guilt. Let that go. Don't let this or any other preacher put a guilt trip on you. Don't let me do it. Don't let anyone else do it. Don't let your teacher do it. The only guilt that we take seriously, the only guilt that we don't reject, is when we have the guilt that comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when God convicts us, certainly we need to take that seriously, and we need to confess. It means to agree with God about our sin, about whatever we need to be repenting of. We need to confess. We need to repent, which is 180-degree about-face. And we need to change. We need to make the adjustments. We need to be different, live differently, whatever God calls us to do. But no unnecessary guilt. Let yourself be free of, of guilt that's not from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, today we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about what we need. Graduates, here's something that you need to learn early in life. And if you'll learn this earlier, you'll be better off. If you wait for a long time to learn this lesson, uh, you're going you're gonna to face some difficult days. Here it is. If you focus on what you want, and if you spend your time going after what you want all the time, it's going to lead you to many dead ends. Okay? What I want. I want this job. I want this girl. I want this car, I want this truck, I want to live in this place, I want to be known by these people, I want to be noticed, I want these things to be, uh, to be experienced in my life. You'll, ha you'll face lots of dead ends, and, and, but if you, if you focus on and you live for, and if you go after what you need, it's going to be like an express lane. Life will 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 be rewarding life will be uh exhilarating life will be over over conquering you will be more than a, a, a over conquer through recognizing what you need rather than what you want and the truth of the matter is 
if you're focusing on what you need and along the way God adds to that because Jesus said seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you and one of the things that you just got through talking about is freedom from worry and if I could sell a pill today that would allow you to be free from worry and I sold that pill for a thousand dollars each I'd have a lot of money at the end of the day wouldn't I if you can learn to live free of worry, if you can learn to live free of stress, if you can learn to live free of anxiety, if you can learn to live free of, of being defeated when there's no reason to be defeated, if you will focus on what you need, then what God provides along the way that would be uh, uh, labeled in the category of what we might want, we'll enjoy it a lot more than if we just sought what we want and not what we need. Okay, so think that in mind. I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer today. Now, the Lord's Prayer was given to us. In Luke, the disciple says, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and we see the Lord, first of all, correcting people that pray to be seen. He called them hypocrites. And then he talked about don't uh, pray to be seen in public. He, he says, uh, go into your private place. He's not saying don't pray publicly. He's saying that it's important that you value the relationship you have with God, and the communion you have with God, and, and being seen is not part of that. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the pagan Gentiles do, is what Jesus had to say in verse 7. For they think their many, many words will be heard. And Jesus said, not so. So prayer is communion with Almighty God. Prayer is important. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus has not given us words to say, but a pattern to go by. It's okay to say the Lord's Prayer, but it's, it's not really the design of the Lord's Prayer to cause us to say the Lord's Prayer, and that, is, that takes the place of actually praying to God. But the Lord's Prayer is to give us a pattern, an outline of the things that we need to be minded of. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We need to pray with an understanding that we have a heavenly Father in heaven, that he is holy, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray that his will be done. We pray thirdly that we will receive our daily bread. We pray for for God's to meet our needs today. And, and so give us this day our daily bread. We pray that we will have the ability, the power to forgive others and, and, and to be forgiven. And so forgive us our debts, to be forgiven from God, for, to confess our sins to Him, and also to forgive other people. And then he says, and to lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. So he lists there for us basically six things that need to be part of that prayer life that we have. And so it's an outline. But there's something else here for application that we often miss, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Look in verse 8. In the conversation, he says, don't be like those pagan Gentiles. He says to them, your father knows what you need. Let that soak in for just a moment. Your Father knows what you need. There you go. Man, we can chew on that all day, couldn't we? Your Heavenly Father, your Father, God above, God on His throne, 
the one that is beyond all, the one that created everything, the one that's a creator of life, the one that is creator of this universe that we have, the Milky Ways and all the galaxies and all the constellations and all that, our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we even ask Him. So what does it reveal to us that God knows about us? He knows what we want. Well, sure He does. But more importantly, He knows what we need. And then the next thing that He says is, He knows what you need before you even ask Him. Now, many people read that and say, well, why should we pray then for His communion with the Lord? Right? Fellowship, relationship, spiritual growth. We pray to the Lord. It's no question about that that we are to pray. So, first of all, the Father knows what we need before we ask Him. And then verse 9 says, Therefore, pray then like this. Hmm. So we need to pay real close attention to what this prayer says because from my way of thinking, for application alone, the Lord is telling us what we need. He's just laying it out there for us. In this prayer that we were pattern our prayer life over uh, by, he tells us what we need. Pray then like this. And so the Lord's Prayer reveals to us what each of us need in life. The first thing, obviously from verse 9, we need a relationship with our Heavenly Father. We need relationship. We need to hear Him. We need to feel Him. We need to know Him. We need to encounter Him. We need to be born again. We need to be uh, in a personal love relationship with our Heavenly Father. There are dead ends. There are dead ends if you, in life, you don't have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Now, personally, I don't know how people go through life without a relationship with God and some of the things that people go through, but very clearly it says that we all need to have a relationship with our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. So, do you know Him? Do you hear Him? Do you feel Him? Are you growing in a personal relationship with Him? Are you experiencing His love and His grace? Do you, do you live to enhance that relationship with Him? We need to know. We need to live out a relationship with the Heavenly Father. The second thing that he lists here that we need is we need to have the understanding, the awareness, we need to have the conviction that God is holy. Hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means holy. God is holy. Now, there are lots of applications for that, that God is holy. Since God is holy, we know that He's perfect. He's without blemish. He's without mistake. He's without... Uh, uh, there's nothing that He doesn't know. He is holy. He is almighty. He is perfect. So, all His ways are right for us, and all His ways are best. He never makes a mistake when it comes to us because He is holy. And when we hear Him and obey Him, we always take the right path. The path may be difficult, but it's the Lord's assignment. 
The path may be hard, but it's what God wants for us. And if He sends us down a road that's a difficult road, He's going to give us everything we need to handle the difficulties that are down that road. And so, hallowed be your name. It helps us stay on course when we recognize that God is completely holy. There's no one beyond Him, no one above Him. He is Almighty God. And when we have an awareness of this, an understanding of this, it gives us the right amount of honor we need to have for God. It gives us reverence for Him. It gives us that, that trembling when, when we find ourselves about to do something that God doesn't like or God doesn't honor or it contradicts what God wants of disobedience. We are fine-tuned into pleasing the Lord. We no longer live for ourselves, the Scripture says. In Christ, we now live to please Him. And recognizing that God is holy and He will by no means clear the guilty, Exodus says. It gives us a right reference for God. It helps us to treat Him properly. It helps us to have the right perspective of God. And it, it's a benefit to our life. Case in point. The Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with people. If we're unequally yoked, that means that you being a believer, you have reverence for God, you have honor for God, you want to please God. If someone doesn't believe in God, doesn't have reverence for God, doesn't believe Him, then they don't have that same honor, desire to please Him, to honor Him, or reverence for God. So you enter into a, a covenant with each other, a commitment with each other, marriage, business, uh, some other type arrangement that you come to an agreement with, if, if they're not equally yoked under the Lord, you have all you have is their word, and you can't count on their word. Because their word is always going to have limits to it. Because they don't fear God. They don't honor God. There will come a time, because of their humanity, because of their flesh, that they're going to do what pleases them and, and not what's pleasing to the covenant relationship. And so don't be unequally yoked. Don't marry someone that's not a believer. And not just a believer, but a committed believer, a following believer, one that recognizes God is holy. Don't get into a business relationship with someone that doesn't have a fear of God and honor God and, and has respect for Him because you will, when times go difficult, hard, when there's hard choice to be made, you'll find they'll do their own thing because they don't respect God like you do. And so it's really important that we understand that God is holy and we need it. We don't need to be doing our own thing. We don't need to be living like God is not God. We don't need to be living like God is not powerful, that He's not big, that He's not the God of, of, of all authority. The third thing he lists here in verse 10, we need for the conflict between our will and His will to be settled. The conflict. The war between our flesh and His Spirit needs to be settled. Are you willing to say yes to His commands before you even receive them? Are you willing to say yes to whatever God calls us to do before you ever hear it? Are you willing to say yes to whatever He leads us to do in the Scripture? Changes we need to make, attitudes we need to have, 
you know, what God causes us to do, what His Word says, are you willing to say yes before you ever read it? If you're not willing to say yes, then the conflict between your will and His will has not been settled. And what needs to be settled is He's God and we're not. And His way is better than our way. And what we seek is His will's done, not our will. Because His will is right and, and, and perfect for us. Our will often misleads us and guides us down the right path. And so just ask yourself the question. It says, we pray, we need to understand. The Father knows before we ever ask. Pray then like this. Your kingdom come... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so is that your desire? Is the war over? Do you desire that His will be done in your world beyond your will? Your will is, is dies. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. That is what we do when we come to Christ. That means we lay our will down and we take up His will. So, is the conflict between your kingdom and His kingdom, has that battle been resolved? Have you laid down the axe? Have you buried it? Have you let it go? Your will over His will. The fourth thing he says in verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread, daily dependence, the blessing of we ate today. Now, it is difficult for us to really comprehend the value of verse 11 in our society, isn't it? Because we go buy bread for a week. And we would buy bread for a month if it wouldn't, if it wouldn't be ruined, right? We buy bread for a week. We buy meat for a week. Many of you got freezers and you kill a cow and put it in there. And you got meat for a year sometimes. And so that experience of every single day waking up and asking the Lord to provide your daily bread, we don't have that experience here. So we have to really be intentional about learning this. We have to be focused. It doesn't come easy for us. It doesn't come natural. So what we need to do is develop our daily dependence on the Lord, and we need that. We need to be daily depending upon the Lord. We don't need to run 10 weeks in the, in the future. We don't, live, we don't need to be living beyond the day. Just every single day, doing the last things we know for sure the Lord has asked us to do, but trusting in the Lord to provide our daily needs. We need that. You need to live by faith. You need to live by daily dependence on the Lord. If you don't learn that up front, if you don't learn that early, you're, gonna, you're in for some difficult days. First of all, you're going to miss on some of the Lord's blessings. You're going to turn right when the Lord wanted you to turn left, and you're going to miss out. You're, you're going to miss out on some victories. You're going to miss out on some hallelujahs along the way if you don't learn daily dependence. Every single day, Lord, provide today. We don't have the blessing of, I got to eat today. Thank you, Lord. In the evening, we got a roll, we got a bowl of rice, or we got enough food to sustain the day. We don't have that, that uh, gift, so we have to work for it. 
we have to be intentional about it. Lord, thank you for the daily needs that you met today. I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm not taking my bank account for granted. I'm not taking my pantry for granted. I'm not taking my freezer for granted. I'm trusting you every single day. All of us need that. We need to have a daily dependence on the Lord. Look in verse 12. Wow. Boy, do we need this. We need to be forgiving, and we need to forgive. Now, we may struggle with the opportunity to learn daily dependence on the Lord, but oh my, we need help with forgiveness. How many people do you have a grudge against? But the Holy Spirit convict you of that. How many people are you at odds with? How many people are you holding that grudge? How many people are you lopsided with? How many people in your life do you see at work or school or somewhere else, when you see them, you go another way? Or they go another way, right? How many people in your life do you need to forgive? Every single day, we need. We need the Lord to help us forgive others and to be forgiven of our sins. And so we need forgiveness, both sides, to forgive others and to be forgiven from God. We need it. You can't go very far without it. Let me ask you a couple questions to, to, to help maybe stir something up in you. Maybe the Holy Spirit would use this. How long has it been since someone said to you, I'm sorry? How long has it been since you had that kind of conversation with someone? Hey, we had, we had some real heated words. I mean, real words, just not, you know, this, that, and the other. But real words, maybe there was some damage that was, you know, inflicted on someone. Some hurt was, was given. How long has it been since you had that relationship discussion where you said, I'm sorry? Or someone says to you, I'm sorry for what I said or what I did. How long has it been, believer? Now, as Christian people, if it's been a long time since we've had that conversation with someone, there's a problem in our Christian life. Either we're not willing to forgive, receive God's forgiveness, or we're not really doing life with each other. Because there is absolutely no way we can do life with other people and there's not something to forgive them for. And there's not something that we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me. So probably we need to learn this and we need, to, we need to learn this as soon as we can in the Christian life. And you graduates, there's nothing better than having a close relationship with someone and being able to say, please forgive me for what I said. Man, I didn't mean it. I didn't understand. I, 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 don't, I value our relationship. Our relationship means more than the conflict we had. We, we are lost to see that today, aren't we? You ever see forgiveness on TV shows? You ever see movies that have a real, there's a few I've seen from time to time, that have real true forgiveness? You ever see any of those? You ever hear politicians saying, please forgive me for the, the unkind words I said about my opponent? You ever hear that? You ever hear a politician say, please forgive me, I was wrong? I mean, have you ever had your boss tell you they were wrong? How long has it been since your boss told you he was wrong about 
something, and it involved you, there's no way your boss hadn't been wrong. Right? They've been wrong. Have you ever gone to your boss and said, hey, man, I really, I, I have not been respecting you, or I, 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 I have, uh, you know, violated something here in the company, and I want your forgiveness. I've asked God's forgiveness, and I need your forgiveness. That happened? When we hear those kinds of, you know, concepts about forgiveness, automatically we kind of begin to shut down and say, the world's not like that anymore, Lee. The world is not about forgiveness. The world is not about forgiving and being forgiven. You're right. The world is not like that. And aren't we in a mess? We are in a mess. The Holy Spirit is putting in your thoughts right now people that you need to forgive. You need to forgive them. The Holy Spirit right now is showing you sins that you need to ask forgiveness for. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of that. You need to be forgiven. You need to be free of the burden of the guilt. And so Jesus says that we need to be forgiven and forgive others. Lay the grudges down. Lay the getting even down. Lay it down. And, and it'll benefit your life. It'll give you that abundant life that you don't have. It'll give you joy that runs over. It'll give you peace. It really is an important matter for us. And the, the sixth thing that he says is in verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need help saying no to temptation. There is not one of us that is exempt from being overcome by sin. Not one of us. This story I want to describe happens from time to time. Man or woman teenager, boy or girl, is really focused on pleasing the Lord, living for Him. They're, they're connected in the church. They're reading the Bible. They're obedient. They're growing. They're experiencing what they need to experience in the Lord. They are walking in a love relationship with their Heavenly Father. They are listening to Him. They are obeying the Holy Spirit. And something happens. Now, the something could be temptation. It could be Satan throwing something at him, a fiery dart. It, it can be an unsettled matter that is, is risen to the surface in their life, and, and they're, 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 they had got to go through the pain of dealing with it. And that temptation, that challenge... That crisis of belief that they face is enough for Satan to get his foot in the door, like Ephesians says, and literally begins to whittle away their love for God, their conviction for Him, their obedience, and they are overcome by sin. Now, in Christ, they are still in Christ. 
in Christ, they are still secure in Him. However, the relationship is there, but guess what? The fellowship just evaporates with God and other believers. And they're overcome by sin. The Bible tells us, be careful that you don't think that you're exempt from that. 1 Corinthians 10 says, Paul very clearly lines that. It says, if you think you got it made, if you think you're not going to fall victim to sin, you need to be careful. So, very clearly, we're all, none of us are exempt. We're all in the same boat. All of us might be overcome by sin. We might face a temptation that, that we do not turn over to the Lord. We all need help overcoming temptation. Lord, help me not watch that video. Lord, help me not read that article. Lord, help me not have those thoughts. Lord, give me the ability to walk free of that grudge, of that anger, of, 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 of that sin that's be, that I'm being tempted with. Help me, Lord. We need His help. We cannot walk free of it. We need His help, and we need the vehicle that God uses to help us overcome temptation accountability with other believers who are, are in the battle with us, who are in the ditch with us, who are fighting the good fight with all their might, trying to live free of, of being overcome by some sin that just very well could destroy their lives. So six things the Lord lays out here for us. Six things that we need to pay really close attention to. We need to know that we have a Heavenly Father and we need to be in a personal relationship with Him. We need to know that our Heavenly Father is holy. We need that. We need for the battle between our will and His will to be settled. We need to have a daily dependence on the Lord. We need to be forgiven of our debts, our sins, and we need to forgive those who sin against us. We need to be forgivers. We need to have grace be so powerful on us that we readily forgive. And we easily, truly, totally forgive. And the sixth thing here is we need help with temptation. Be connected with the body. You graduates that are going off to school, there is a church in your town. <laughs> There's probably 30 or more. depends on where you're going. There's a good church. There's not one church like ours. There's not one youth group like ours. You, you just got to get over that. Many are better than ours. Many are active in ways that we're not active in. The question that you've got to settle is, where does the Lord want you? And wherever you're going, Hoshu boy, you get in the Air Force, you go to church down there somewhere. Go to the chapel. Find you a place that you can worship God, that you can be connected with other believers, that it will develop your Christian life, it will develop your prayer life, that they will keep you accountable to live for the Lord. Don't waste your college days. Don't waste them. It's a great opportunity to be plugged in. Go to that university service if they have it. Be involved with that. Be connected. And, and focus on what you need, not what you want. Focusing on your needs will put you on the expressway. 
Focusing on what you want will cause you to go down some dead ends. So the question for all of us today, are you being controlled today by your wants or by your needs? Father, I pray you'd help us to hear your word today. May your spirit lead and guide us. Lord, help us, Father, to repent of, confess and repent and adjust of, of the sins that, Lord, you have convicted us of today. Lord, maybe they're poor attitudes. Maybe, Lord, their lack of forgiveness in some areas. Maybe there's some people we're holding grudges against. Lord, help us to focus on what we need rather than what we want and experience that abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen.